Welcome to Spirits Podcast, episode 38, The Year Walk with Soha. Oh, guys, this is going to be a lot of fun. This is an old episode. Yeah, a while we recorded back. it quite a while ago, and I was sad that we couldn't get it out until now because it's such a good episode. Yeah, but we have a strict schedule when it comes to guest episodes. I know, I know. Excluding strict ratio. Eric, because Ex- Eric can just be on whenever. <laughs> Eric's part of the family. He is. He's not a guest. He's not a, a guest. He's a, well, he can use the kitchen or the bathroom whenever he wants in our house. He can help himself. He can. Yes. Do you know who else are not guests in our lives, Julia? Uh, is it our patrons, Amanda? It is our patrons. Thank you for getting my right. increasingly incredible segues. But we would love to thank our freaking load of new patrons. Oh my gosh, I'm so excited. Are you ready for it? Go for it. Elizabeth Mastuz, Zargo, Amy, Timothy, Motsas, Tyler, Palmer, Geo, Brandon, Hallie, Bryant, and Heather, who actually works at Patreon. Hi. I met her at VidCon and we love you. You. Thank you for making this incredible site for us. We love Patreon so much. Yeah. And as always, thank you to our supporting producer level patrons, Leanne, Shannon, Phil, Catherine, Christina, MCF, Megan, Sarah, Katie, Derek, and Deborah. You are the weird church spirits watching over our lives. You'll get it. It's a reference to the episode. Wait for it. It Wait always for it. is. So Amanda, what were we drinking this episode? We were drinking espresso martinis, the mm. recipe for which I got from your Uncle Nunzio. Yes, my Uncle Nunzio does know how to make a great espresso martini. He also knows how to drink five in an evening. Yeah, and he makes them like, I didn't know if you could make martinis double strength, but he kind of does. <laughs> he does. It's so just I, straight vodka. I have, a, I have a strict rule for myself that I have no more than one of Uncle Nunzio's drinks in an evening. It's a good rule. <laughs> It totally is. And speaking of which, actually, my recommendation for this week's recommendation corner is a sort of peer of ours. One of the first podcasts where when we launched Spirits, they were like, oh man, there are other people doing similar stuff, which is Alco Hollywood. They're kind of like us, but for movies. So two friends drink, discuss stuff, pop culture, movie reviews, stuff like that. Um, They are funny. They have good taste in drinks and they have been at it for a long time. Like they kind of know the podcasting game Um, and they're like our, you know, our our cousins. Uh, They're also associated with the fantastic podcast, Our Fair They sure are, which is something that we really, really love. So that's mine for the week. How about yours? Oh, Amanda. Oh. I don't know if our listeners really know this. I don't really talk about it too much on the podcast, but I'm very into wrestling. Julia Moonlights as a wrestling fanatic. Wrestling is my jam. Our editor, Eric, is also a big wrestling fan. Which helps. And Netflix just launched a new series about a real-life group that was happening during the 80s called The Gorgeous Ladies of Wrestling. Oh, yeah. Also known as Glow. Uh, the show stars Alison Brie, and it's just amazing. Alison Brie plays a very unlikable character, which makes sense because her character, her wrestling persona is a heel, which nice. is a bad guy. Yeah. Um, and it's just fantastic, and I highly recommend it. It's just some fun feminist 80s wrestling shit. It's great. It really was kind of made for us. It was totally made for me, at least. You know what else was made for us, Julia? I see you rolling your eyes at me. I have another segue. Just roll with it. No, I'm going with it. Go ahead. Wink was made for us. Wink was made for us. Uh, So Wink is a wine delivery service. Basically, our only goal when we started the podcast was to get a booze-related sponsor and like, hey, we did it. And they showed up. We did it all together. We are so happy to welcome Wink as a sponsor at trywinkwinc.com slash spirits. They're offering spiriters who are over 21 and live in the U.S. a $20 credit and free shipping on their first order of four bottles of wine. That's basically going to buy you two out of the four bottles and it's wonderful guys we highly recommend it that's a free bottle that's free shipping free shipping and like a free bottle and a half of wine like come on and it's it's so easy guys it just gets delivered to your door we had it sent to amanda's place i'm literally drinking it now and we're gonna tell you all about our favorites later in the episode so don't worry but that's trywink wink dot com slash spirits 
Last thing, guys, we just thanked all of our patrons at the beginning of this episode, but we are getting very, very close, about $200. Scarily close. Scarily close to our next goal, which would bring you double the amount of spirits. Do you double. want double the amount of spirits? Double. Because we will bring it to you. Every Wednesday would become Spirits Wednesday, if, which makes me want to cry and sleep. I know. But it would be very exciting for you guys. But if we hit our goal of $750, we're going to make spirits every week. And I'm going to cry a little bit, but it's going to be a lot of fun. And this is what we wanted to do for so Julia's long. Julia's literally tearing I'm up right now. I'm a little upset right now. I'm just like, <laughs> in, I'm a little emotional. It's okay. We want to bring you spirits every week. So please help us hit our goal. And it would let us bring more guests. It would let us do more listener roundups. We'd be able to do a monthly or like every six weeks or so um, hometown legend from y'all and read your emails and things. Like we, we have want, so many still. We have so many ideas. We have so many guests that we want to bring on and doing just 26 episodes a year just isn't enough to bring you all stuff we want to bring you. So we are so humbled by your support so far. We're so excited that we're starting to get some sponsors. Um, but the, the backbone of the show, the thing that lets us pay for our stuff and our editing and actually getting the show out to you um, is your support on Patreon. So if you head over to patreon.com slash spirits podcast. You can give us a dollar, give us $3, join our patron only live streams every month For and give us plus. 10 bucks. Like it's, it's, you know, it's like tipping a bartender, buying yourself a beer, buying us a beer. So we would love to, to meet more of you over there. Guys, we are so excited to bring this episode to you. And especially with a guest like Soha, she is a video game expert. She is one of our big first fans. And we're just really excited to have her on the show and to have her talk about the year walk, which was actually a myth I had never really heard of. And such a cool one. Like I think about it all the time. So without further ado, enjoy Spirits Podcast episode 38, The Year Walk with Soha. So we are so pleased today to be joined by Soha, one of our favorite writers and game universe, uh, gaming industry people. Uh, Thank you so much for being with us. Thank you. Thanks for having me. I'm so excited. We're excited too. Uh, I know nothing about what we're talking about, which is my usual MO, uh, but Julia uh, normally comes in with sheaves of notes. Uh, This time we're just hanging. We're just ready. I love a good hang. Let's do this. (laughs) So what are we talking about today? We are talking about Swedish folklore. Um, and this came from a video game that's one of my favorite video games. It's called Year Walk, and it's a series of puzzles. It's like a little adventure game. It's developed and published by a Swedish mobile game developer called Simogo. When it first came out, it was on iPhone, and now it's on uh, PC, on Steam, and actually, surprisingly, on the Wii U. <laughs> that's a really <laughs> random choice there. I kind of love it, though. Apparently, it's really good on the Wii U. <laughs> Damn, that's the only good game on the Wii U. That's probably the first time that sentence has been uttered. Probably. Sorry, no shade. shade. (laughs) (laughs) So it's all based on this Swedish tradition and folklore, and it's a practice called Ushgang or year walk. I actually like wrote down the pronunciation, so I hope I don't super mess up. No, I'm so proud of you. Well done. You are raising (laughs) the bar. Just to preface, all of the information that I'm sharing, it comes from, like, there's an in-game encyclopedia, and if you download it on mobile, there's, like, a free companion app that basically has all the lore and all the sort of history behind what's going on in the game. But there are some random internet searches, and I think what you'll find is there's a lot of overlap with other traditions that you guys have talked about Mm -hmm. before. We like that. So... These sound yeah. like my kind of nerds. Also, that sounds like your kind of video game, Amanda, <laughs> where it comes up with an appendix. Yeah, where like like so many times, <laughs> yeah. 
so many times I've like written fiction just to include cool footnotes. Like a big part <laughs> yeah. of my thesis was like, how many geeky footnotes can I fit into this thesis? There was one about nerd. Star Trek. There was one about what else? Uh, I think I, I Harry Potter, like Harry Potter. I did. You, you've done an entire economic guild system breakdown of wand lore and Harry I Potter. Did, I did. There, someone was wrong what? on the internet talking about uh, wand economics. Someone and Harry was Potter. wrong on the internet. <laughs> and Amanda McLaughlin story. Yeah, they're like, oh yeah, like wands. Why aren't they? Why aren't they more expensive? Because like you know, you just like buy one your whole life. I'm like, guys, a guild system. Like, there's precedent for this. <laughs> anyway, that's amazing. There's actually there. There's an economics uh, specialist. I don't know someone who knows about economics, so it's like way more than me, who wrote an entire paper on the collapse of the Star Wars economy <gasps> after the destruction of the Death Star. I want to um, read that. And I'm like, why? Footnotes, please. <laughs> I'm like, I'm in two camps. I'm like, why would you do that? And I'm, the other part of me is like, that's amazing that you did that. I'm, I'm 100% in for this. Anyway, this game sounds great. <laughs> yeah, it's, uh, it's a horror game. It's mostly just very creepy settings, but... If you are interested in playing it, there's just a couple of jump scares. Like, I remember when I first played it on my iPhone, I, like, was laying in bed and playing it and Mistake number one. and dropped my phone into my face. And I was like, <laughs> oh, God. We're both laughing because we've both been there. We <laughs> yeah. Absolutely. I've definitely been watching, like, oh, I'm trying to think. I can remember a specific... Uh, moment where that definitely happened to me. I think I might have been watching like The Babadook on Netflix, but on my oh, phone. No. <laughs> I just dropped it straight on my face. Uh, that happened to me yesterday. Oh, good, good, good. Looking up uh, <laughs> clips of Mandy Patinkin in the original run of Sunday in the Park with George while being tattooed. <laughs> sounds right. <laughs> that's amazing. That's, that's that very Sounds me, like the most you yep. thing that's ever yep. happened. And I, I just clipped my eyebrow a little bit. It was fine. You're good. So, Year Walk, it's a vision quest. Uh, it's to foresee the future, and it has a pretty mysterious history. Um, it seems to have had a pretty widespread practice in Sweden until the beginning of the 19th century, but then apparently there are some rural areas that continued doing it as late as the beginning of the 20th century. And it's most likely a pagan ritual, but it did vary greatly between like regions and villages, but they all had one thing in common, and it's when someone could do a year walk. So the gate which opens at the end of a year walk to see the future, only opens on important festival days. So like May Day, Midsummer's Eve, Christmas Eve, but most commonly people would do it on New Year's Eve. Mm, mm. I like that. And it's a pretty severe and dangerous ritual. It's uh, if you are planning to do a year walk, the, the walker can't eat or drink on the day of the vision quest. And like the whole point of that is Usually on these festival days, like people are eating a lot and, you know, there's a lot of just like gluttony and celebration. Yeah, revelry, goodness. Yeah. And so uh, you can't drink or eat on the day of the vision quest. You also have to avoid any contact with people and you have to lock yourself in a dark room and you can't see the, any light or fire for the entire day. That so it's is like horrifying. Sounds like a great way to get lost <laughs> <laughs> and not found. Yeah, it's it's like, yeah, avoiding human contact and staying in the dark until I see visions sounds like every Friday night. So that's great. Yeah, but also has a lot of precedent in terms of like cleansing the body, emptying mm -hmm. the mind, you know, exactly. really like getting yourself kind of primed and ready to like accept something that's that's outside of your society, you know, to like to like be open to stuff that 
is totally unfamiliar to you. Exactly. However, also great for a missing persons. I can just see the like the like Nordic crime drama now being like, oh, and did you talk to anybody <laughs> before? No. Did you uh, you know study the sun and orient yourself in the forest? No. Uh, were you like well sustained and hydrated? No. <laughs> She's like, well, crime solved. <laughs> The Yearwalker would have to leave the dark room that they locked themselves in at the stroke of midnight. And that's the last chance that you have to cancel the walk. Once you leave at the stroke of midnight, there's no turning back. Dun, dun, dun. And so the final destination for a Yearwalk is the church. And on the way to the church, a Yearwalker would meet various supernatural creatures which pose some sort of threat. Some are like physical threats, mental or spiritual threats. And... Before they reach a church, you have to go through a cemetery and then walk around the church in like a very specific, intricate pattern to lure out the church grim. And that's a creature (gasps) that I'll talk about in a bit. Julia sits Um, up straight. I'm already so excited for this. (laughs) I love it. And And already I'm thinking about like, you know, like walking through the valley of death, you know, like kind of confronting, confronting hard things before you get to like the truth that you're seeking after, like salt circles and like walking counterclockwise around stuff. Like, oh, there's, there's so many things coming together. That's really cool. All I can think about is the end of Goblet of Fire for Harry Potter. Also, (laughs) is Final Destination 4 a pop culture reference? Is that a thing? I guess so. Okay. Because anyway, you, so why why the fourth like, one though? Because because the, just the way that so his sentence was constructed, I was like Final Destination four, and then I was like, oh, is that is that a thing? Is yeah. that thing supposed to run? <laughs> anyway, in so, this case, the final destination is the future via the church. The future. The last stop is the church. You are supposed to lure out the church grim, and that's how you open your eyes to the future, and then you can actually see the future. And there are some recurring themes that can manifest in the different ways that somebody could year walk. So. A walker could see who dies in the following year, or they can meet their own ghost on the road and see some sort of prophecy. There are also specific like visual themes. So if you saw newly dug graves at a cemetery, that means a plague was coming the following year. Or if you saw dwarves or elves carrying sheaves, it meant like a good harvest. If you saw armed men, it meant war was coming. And you can also see visions of like upcoming weddings, since love was a pretty common theme for why somebody would year walk. Oh, that's Aww. cute. I, I was going to say, wow, yeah. some of these seem really, really negative, but like, at least there's some positive ones thrown in there. Yeah, this is like an actual <laughs> version of Pre- Professor Trelawney's like tea leaf divination ceremony. Yes, that's true. Uh, where instead of just like a lump that could be either like a bezor or a grim or like, I don't know, a Quidditch broom or something, mm-hmm. like there's actual <laughs> meaning to the like visual dictionary of things that yeah. you can be seeing. Let me tell you about some of the supernatural beings a Yearwalker would meet. And in the game, you meet five. Cool. So the first one is Skuksirua, the Huldra. And she plays a part in Norse mythology, but is likely from an even older origin. She's like a guardian of the forest who tended to the trees and the plants and the animals. And if you saw one large tree in a grove surrounded by smaller trees, that was considered to be her home or the Huldra herself. I was going to say, that's adorable. She's surrounded by her children. Yeah, the mom. The mom yeah. Got bad. All the little groups. All yeah. the little groups. Good uh, job, Amanda. Oh, all the little groups. Tightly pop culture oh. reference. <laughs> uh, so she's often described as a beautiful young woman, but it's not her real appearance. Um, yeah. Since very few have seen her true face, and even fewer lived to speak of it. 
Ooh, um, that's yes. good. That was a good one. That was good. <laughs> yes, yes. I directly from Samogo, so thanks, guys. Good job. <laughs> I love uh, that so though. She, like we see that in so many different cultures. We just talked about the more again, you know, on spirits. We've talked yeah. about other kinds of like mother or life or nature goddesses. Um, but this idea that like the sort of maiden is the front, you know, behind yeah. which lies like the hag or the crone mm-hmm. or the you know powerful goddess force um i i sort of love it like like i always have an image of sort of like a street harasser you know saying something to the wrong maiden and like the maiden turns around yeah. and oh no there's like a witch inside her you know <laughs> or that japanese urban legend with like the slit mouth yeah. woman and, and yeah. behind the mask there's you know some scary creature willing to eat you i sort of like that behind every like you know passive and and pretty seeming woman on the street you know all of us have within us the a little a little kali a little capacity for uh, for revenge for sure. The Huldra is described as like lonely and filled with woe. And mm-hmm. like some say that she's a shapeshifter and has the tail of a cow or a fox. Hmm. Um, very different tails. I think I would go fox very tail different if I had tails, to. Right. <laughs> yeah. yeah, same. That's like way cuter. I had to, I had to like remember what a cow tail looked like because I was just, just a like, little tuft on the end. Like? Right. Yeah. And I'm like, oh, that's, that's not cute. No, no. <laughs> it's like, super cute. It's kind of weird. Um, so her relationship with men was complex, which, like, same. <laughs> always. <laughs> always. <laughs> theme. Uh, she could lure men out with her beautiful singing and bring them deeper into the forest where she either wedded or killed them. <laughs> there, there's only two options, and there's those are the best options. options. <laughs> and men who were kissed by the Haldra became apathetic and slow. Ooh. I love that. <laughs> she, like, takes their life force. Yeah, so even the ones that she wedded, they it's like a pretty shitty <laughs> and or outcome. the best like wedded partnership ever where your partner <laughs> becomes more and more compliant over time. <laughs> I'm just saying. I see the um, logic. Some also see her as a positive force, like she would blow her breath on rifles to bless men's hunts or she was kind to charcoal burners and she would watch over their charcoal kilns while they rested and if you offered her your blood she would she would help you but she could also possibly drink you dry um (laughs) so it's unclear how she'd react to anyone at any given time the i really like the way that the companion app described her because they say like she plays by rules only known to her so it's this very yeah it's this very like complex you're not sure if she's going to help you it does depend on how she's feeling that day does it depend on if you you know give her a gift or if you're show her respect like it's super unclear which i really like (laughs) yeah or some like unknowable order or, you know, like maybe maybe there's like a cosmic balance or a karmic balance or something where, you know, this is not your time to be helped or this is not your time to die. And like, you know, her, yeah. her reaction is just um, playing against some kind of like bigger ledger that we as, as puny humans aren't, you know, able to access. Hey, Jules. Yeah, what's up? It's the refill. I know, guys. Uh, I actually, actually do need a refill. And you know what we're going to refill it with, Amanda? Uh, I, I don't. We're going to refill it with a bottle of Wonderful that we got sent to us in a box from Wink. 
It now is wonderful a noun as well as an adjective? It is both a noun and an adjective. It is the name of the wine and also describes it very well. Oh, and it looks like a white wine. Is that is that the case? It is. It is a 2015 California blend of white wine. Whoa, Joy it is, is giving me her sommelier face. It is actually delicious. It tastes toasty and buttery like a Chardonnay, but at the same time has kind of like a peach ring flavor to it that Ooh. I really like. It's very good. That sounds really good. And wait, how did this beautiful wine get into my fridge? Well, Amanda, all I did was take a quiz online. You did. So Wink is this wine delivery service. They brought the wine right to my door, which was great. And basically, you know, for for kind of 13-ish dollars a bottle and $6 flat shipping, you get some incredible wines. You can order them online. They can come to you every month. They can come to you whenever you want them to. And it's, it's so good because for people like me, you know, if you don't have a BFF like Julia, who knows what the heck she's talking about when it comes to wine. It can be really hard to walk into the store and be like, uh, all right, I'll just like choose the cutest name or something. And the good part about Wink is that they custom tailor the wines to the taste of the individual consumer. So I took that quiz online. They sent me a bunch of wines that I know I like because I took that quiz and they know what I like. And they say that over time too. So you can like thumbs up and thumbs down wines that you get. That way it gets smarter and smarter as you develop your wine taste. Yeah. And listen, it's super affordable. Most of the wines are about $13 and the shipping is a flat rate of $6 no matter how many bottles you get. But Wink is offering our audience members who are over 21 and live in the US a $20 credit. So that's one and a half bottles of wine. And like, yo, plus shipping on your first order for four bottles of wine when you're a new member of Wink. So that they're paying for the shipping, yep. they're paying for some of your wine. It's excellent. We highly recommend it. It's like a it's like a buy two and a half, get one and a half offer. Like that's some great stuff. It is awesome. All that and more you can get at trywink W I N C trywink.com slash spirits. Without further ado, let's get you back to your walk with Soha. So that's the first creature that you meet. The second is Becca Heston, or the Brick Horse. I love horses in all of mythology, especially <laughs> yeah. when they're related to water, because it means they're going to drown slash devour someone. Uh, maybe exactly. children. Exactly. Yeah. Usually children. I, this is when I reached out to you guys to be like, we need to talk about your walk, because <laughs> there's this horse that you need to know about. <laughs> I like that that's um, become our thing. It's like, oh, horses that kill people? <laughs> Sign us up. I'm super happy about this. So a lot of Swedish folklore is filled with strange creatures residing in dark waters, which is just like absolute nightmare fuel for me. Yes. Um, Rising up out of the deep dripping. Oh, it's so good. Oh, good. (laughs) I'm so sorry. It's 930 in the morning. (laughs) (laughs) The worst. So the brook horse was a pale horse who lived in creeks or lakes who, guess what, lured children on its back. And its spine grew for every rider. And when it was satisfied, yeah, and when it was satisfied, it leaped into the water, whereupon the children drowned. So, like, every mythos out there has a version of this shitty horse. Oh, my God. (laughs) The funnest roller coaster ever until it's the last one. Europe is just all about drowning those children. What is up with that? (laughs) Just endless bodies of water that are just deep enough. Oh, no. Bad image. (laughs) Oh, God. Um, so some compare it to the Nix, uh, who's a handsome young fiddler who lured young girls down into the water. Some say that they're one not, the Not same. the New York City basketball team, which is what <laughs> no. my head went to. No, I actually love the Nix. It's a really cool story, and I totally want to do it uh, on At Spirits one day. But okay. continue. 
It's often described as a majestic white horse that would appear near rivers, particularly during foggy weather, and anyone who climbed on it to its back was not able to get off again. I love the sticky horse motif. It's so funny. Same as the Kelpie, which I think is is dark colored, right? And it grows out sort of like dripping. It's like supposed to be like a grayish, almost like green seaweed color. Yeah, but if we're talking about fog and not about like the, the, you know, murky depths of locks. Yeah, exactly. That that makes a lot of sense. I'm into that. So I'm going to read a like a brief story that uh the creators of year walk shared in the encyclopedia about the brick horse because it's like there's a little bit of a twist that's not kind of what we know so far about this horse we're super here for it so a young man is on his way home from his work at a charcoal kiln he decides to wash up in a nearby creek the man finds a strange stone formed like a small child in the water Uh. he picks it up yeah, don't. Uh, right. Sorry, it's sorry. Like, don't, don't, uh, don't pick it up. Don't pick it no, up. Don't, 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 it don't up. do it. Don't do it. Shower when you get home. What are you doing? <laughs> the man notices that he is not alone. He is being watched by a horse walking on two legs. <laughs> the horse stretches out a human hand to the man. Nope, 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 nope. Who gets frightened and runs home to a shack he shares with his fellow workers. Well, fucking good, okay, dude. First good decision we've had all day. <laughs> right. You, you friend. He tells the tale to his comrades who laugh at him and call him a drunken fool. He shows them the stone that now looks quite ordinary. The man curses and goes to bed. When the workers wake up the following morning, they find the man dead in his bed, his lungs filled with water, Uh. and the stone now now nowhere to be seen. So it's like this cool, like he's not a kid. He's not a child that rode on the brick horse's back. He's just saw the brick horse and took something of his. Yeah, or maybe the stone is like the the Child. image of the last person to be killed. Like that's what I'm thinking. Yeah. It's like w- yeah. once once the the new victim picks it up, you know, and like looks away and goes to show to somebody else, oh the the like soul or the impression of the last person killed in this case a child was gone and now maybe yep. there's like a man like a charcoal kiln attendant shaped stone <laughs> lying oh, God. lying in a river waiting for the next dummy. <laughs> It also reminds me of that one story that we did at the end of the uh, 30 Myths in 30 Minutes, uh, where it was the unbaptized baby soul oh. one that would just hang onto your back. <laughs> Why remind me of I'm that, Julia? I'm sorry. <laughs> well, um, but that's I... actually the next creature. Yes! <laughs> awesome! <laughs> nice. Was that a high five? Yeah, it was a high yeah, five. Yeah, we're going to need a nice. super cut of our high five, uh, <laughs> listeners, at some point. <laughs> It's, that was a solid high five. I could hear it from here. Good. Um, we also maxed yeah, out our the, audio, so I'm so sorry, uh, <laughs> Editor Eric. <laughs> the next creature is the Mylingan, the, the Myling. Yeah. Um, because, so, infanticide was a fairly common crime in Sweden during the 19th century and earlier. And wow, in my really, notes, really taking my joy times. right down, right down to the to the baseline. We get, we get the high with the murderous horses <laughs> and then the low with the infanticide. Okay, okay. So the two most common motives were for infanticide. Infanticide? I, I, I just said infanticide. So I always say infanticide. infanticide. You're probably Infant right. <laughs> Infant murder. Let's do, let's do that. Let's just go there. It was poverty for, you know, not being able to feed the child or the child had been conceived out of wedlock. And so these souls of the children would become mylings. And that's where I wrote that, like, they're also the souls of unbaptized children mm-hmm. who were denied acceptance into the church. So they're forced to roam the earth until somebody properly buries them to give them peace. Amanda's face right now is just like, nope. Nope, nope, nope. Right. Don't have babies. Like, this is birth control. (laughs) Oh, no. And and this is like, this is like the, you know, toxic masculinity and the, like, patriarchal culture is bad for everybody. (laughs) Right. 
Right, exactly. I'm pretty sure I just added an extra IC to patriarchal. <laughs> you did, and it was cute. <laughs> anyway. I I definitely am a neurotic person, but like I'm one of those people that I'm like, I'm not having kids because I know my kid's going to be like either somebody who summons some bullshit demon into my house yep. or like ends up being like a ghost baby, like a myling or just <laughs> like really some, real. Like, I just know it's going to happen to me. I just, you just <laughs> feel it. So it's like not happening. No demon worship in, in the fiction. house. You can explore this in fiction. <laughs> what, what is that child's name from the scary one where he's blonde mm-hmm. on the stairs? Damien? Yes. Yeah. From uh, uh, The Omen. Yes. That's good the job. One. The worst. You. The worst. So the common, the most common way for mylings to haunt was through a horrible wailing sound. Nice, um, nice, nice, nice. Which same? <laughs> so, <laughs> some some take the form of a ball of light to lead travelers astray. Um, like a will of the wisp. A person, a person who helps mylings find their way to the other side was often left a gift. Uh, and also, this is where this is kind of the cool was part is that death? other supernatural creatures could take mylings and give them eternal rest, like the brick horse. Aww. He can take mylings onto his back and drown them, which is nice. Hooray! <laughs> <laughs> like with the question mark. We we go from horrible to more horrible, and then it circles back to just like that's how that okay. works. That's okay. Like so, actually, in the game, you are bringing these like terrible twitchy babies to the brick horse. And once the brook horse has four of them, he like goes down into the water and brings the babies down with them. But it's like, eh, this is like nice, I guess. Like you're giving them rest. I'm kind of doing they're... the right thing, maybe. You're kind of yeah. doing yeah. the right thing. No, I mean that that works out in my head. That calculus works out. All right. Uh, you should check out the art from the game too. It's like the brook horse is like this horse that's wearing a tux. It's like <laughs> really. It's fantastic. I've, so I've been, picturing um, yeah. the, uh, I've been picturing the cute boy dragon from uh, the movie Spirited Away. Okay. That one. I was going, <gasps> I love cute Spirited boy Away. dragon, what the fuck are you talking you know, the, about? The, the, yeah, the, yeah, 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 I know. He like turns white, into a like, person. A sort of endless, like you can have many things on the back. That's, mm-hmm. that's adorable. But if we're coming out of the depths to eat me, I would find it less adorable. Yes. I'm also thinking Bojack Horseman. It's just the way that my mind is going. <laughs> oh, 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 let's not return to the vision of the human hand coming out of a horse standing on two legs. That's terrifying. the most horrifying yep. thing I've ever seen in my yep, life. Yep, yep, yep. <laughs> just something about, about human parts being on non-human things and vice versa. It's too much. me. Like from the, like Julie and I studied like early theater when we were in high school in our theater program, going back to like Christian Bible plays, mystery plays, things like that. And from the beginning, the dawns of time, the image of a demon is the mixing of animal and human in any, yeah. any way, mm-hmm. but especially like unexpected, nay, horrifying ways. <laughs> that was not a nay pun, but it, but it came out of me. <laughs> it was a good one, though. <laughs> <laughs> I'm proud of you. That was great. Thanks, Boo. <laughs> <laughs> so the fourth creature is Natraven, or the Night Raven. Good. Good start. In Scandinavian folklore, carrion birds were deeply linked with misfortune and death. And so the night raven is no exception. So it's described as this large bird with a sharp beak and sometimes with holes in its wings. And if a person looked through the holes, they would become ill. (gasps) Creepy. And if you looked into its eyes, you would die. Ooh, Ooh, basilisk style. I'm into that. Yeah. So other stories describe the night raven as a giant skeleton bird whose hunger was never satisfied, and it would stalk travelers at night and eat them, especially on festival days. So 
This is a creature that you would probably most certainly run into on a year walk. Yeah, um, it's like the the prime day for that guy. <laughs> it like, also makes sense if your prey is all fattened up and and you oh, know, yeah. tipsy and and revel revelrous. You just eat it exactly. like mm, tastes like mutton and wine, fresh, fresh. So some describe it as an ordinary raven, but if it landed on a house, someone would die shortly from a terrible fever. So overall, there's like a strong association with disease and. When farmers would send children to collect wild birds' eggs, they had to be careful not to pick the eggs of the night raven since they're considered deadly Ooh. and they would infest or infect other uh, eggs. No pressure, child. Um, well, you could, act- you could knock on the egg three times and say, out with the evil spirit. And if it belonged to the night raven, it would turn black. Ooh. I was going to say, yeah, does so- it knock back? <laughs> that would be worse. That would be worse. Some sources say it's it's a it was a spirit of an evil, greedy man who had not been buried properly, and the greed manifested itself into a fondness for shiny things, <laughs> <laughs> like birds. I got you. It sounds like birds. It sounds less like a manifestation and more like a, a just sort of a, like transference of you know you wanted shiny things in life, and so you want shiny things as a raven in death. Yeah, exactly. And in German folklore, there's a version of the night raven called the Nachtrap which was like a bugbear creature that would abduct children and like horribly devour them. That was very specific, that it was like not just eat them, but like... Horribly rip devour. <laughs> rip, yeah. rip limb from limb and eat while exactly. still alive. Just, I mean, the exactly. image of being eaten by a beak is, is, is pretty destructive to yeah. begin with. I found this part and I was like, I was dying when I read this, but there's the Guta Nachtrap, or the Good Night Raven, cool. who would... Who would gently sink children to sleep. Aww, that's adorable. <laughs> right? I love that. I want one. It's like, there's the bad one that will rip your your limbs off, but then there's a good one that, like, sings you to sleep, and that's so sweet. I, I also love, though, that, like, when you're desperate enough to seek something out, that the outcome could go in two such drastic you know, ways like either the the raven yeah. coming toward you, it's either gonna like put that fucking child to sleep who's been keeping you up for the last four weeks, teething, whatever, or it's going to just like horribly devour all your souls. Exactly. So now, the last creature that you meet is the Shirko Grim or the Church Grim. Yes, and I'm so into great. This. I'm, I, I'm I want a T-shirt. So I want a jersey. Excited. I want a tote bag. I'm here for it. Church Grim. It's super. And if you look up the church grim in Yearwalk, it's an amazing design. This is the last creature that the Yearwalker would meet because they would lure them out when they reached the church. And out of all Swedish folklore, the church grim was the most complex and the most feared. So when a church was built in medieval times, an animal, most commonly a goat because they were cheapest, would sometimes be buried alive under the floors. Um. Oh, okay, so I have a really good story that kind of goes with this one second. I guess it was Roman because it was the Vestal Virgins. They would have this concept where they would have these virgin priestesses that would guard the Temple of Vesta. And if they were found having sex or something like that, they couldn't be killed like forthright. Like they couldn't just be like, well, you broke your contract, so we have to kill you. Instead, they would bury these women alive. More horrible. Because... In that case where they thought that uh, Vesta would come and uh, if they weren't falsely accused or something like that, Vesta would save them. So oh, it gave them like, the opportunity. She she's a witch. Right. It gives them the opportunity huh. to be saved. And if they're not saved, then to they're... exculpate themselves. Yeah. Right. So it's not exactly like the, if she floats, she's a witch because it, no, then yeah, she's guilty if she survives. But if she's 
But what I, what I mean is like a way to kind of like outsource the blame right. in a way or mm-hmm. to be like, well, it's just the way things yeah. shook out. So yeah, that's, that's like, I guess Vesta was mad at her because now she's dead because we put her in this women. terrible situation. <laughs> oh, man. Toxic masculinity. <laughs> Seriously, <laughs> is bad for everyone. <laughs> the real grim the is real toxic grim. masculinity. The real grim. There we go. <laughs> the real grim. There were also stories of criminals being buried alive as punishment underneath churches. And in other versions, this is where we get the animal crossover horror fest. The criminal's heart was cut out and placed inside an animal carcass that was sacrificed. Ooh. <laughs> Which is like, what? Do we know? Which is like, how do you jump to that? My, my question is, why are we murdering people underneath churches now? That's yeah. my question. I thought you were going to say, my question is, why are we murdering animals if the criminal's already dead? <laughs> Which I mean, is that's where a I question, right. too. I mean, uh, so uh, there probably, there obviously is is a reason why this is actually happening. My kind of first thought is like, you know, giving up something of value to the community in order to say like, okay, like God, like we really care. Like we're making this for you. Like come, you know, and, and dwell in this, in this temple where we are, you know, actually like raising as community, but that's my guess. Yeah. So there is a bit of a reason I'll, I'll do, I'll leave one caveat about the whole heart before getting into it. It's like the most central part in many myths surrounding the church grim. So like stories from South of Sweden told you that if you could touch the church grim's heart, you could stare into the eyes of creation. Fuck yes. Um, it's the fucking holy grail. Which is super rad. Uh, I love that. So in parts of Europe, it was it was believed that like the first person buried in a new churchyard had to guard it against the devil. Huh. So you don't want to be the first person to die when so there's a new are, church in so town. So they are putting something down there. And, and I mean, let's think about it. If we're going to choose someone to, to, to guard the churchyard, I kind of want a scrappy criminal. That's true. And I kind of want the heart of a scrappy criminal inside a dog or a goat or, or a, a bull or something <laughs> right. big it's and scary. Like this, it's the ultimate punishment because it's like no one wants to bury their deceased loved ones with like the eternal chord of yeah, like no. fighting Satan. It's like a so, DIY animorph. Um, so, <laughs> I'm sorry, what was that? <laughs> you want to say that one more time? It's like a DIY animal. Oh my god. <laughs> I want to see that book cover. <laughs> so, this is the sad part. Churchgoers would bury a black dog alive on the north side of the church yard, and that dog's spirit would then become the church grim. And people did that so that, like, it didn't have to be a loved one that ended up being fighting the devil. It was just this black dog that would end up being the church grim and humans could go around and like be planted in the ground without any harm. Horrible. Also fair. You know, yeah. like, I, I see where it comes from. Why on the north side? Do you know? Is there any significance? I actually don't know. But it was very specific that it was like it had to be on the north side of the church. I always assume that hell is below your feet. And so, therefore, I associate it with the south, even though that's the south is not below. Like that's a, that's a different direction. Right. But I'm I'm sure right. there might have been you know like like uh, portentous winds coming from the north or or something like that. Right. I like that. I think that makes more sense because you're looking at like a society where the north is barren and cold. Mm-hmm. So it makes sense that that would be. And we saw that actually in some uh, East Coast Canadian and like Icelandic stuff is uh, Mm -hmm. hell and the uh, underworld was the north. Yes. So that makes sense. Huh. Yeah. All right. Yeah. So some people saw a church grim as a guardian of the church. Others saw it as a parasite that was drawn to the energy of the church and it fed on people's hopes and dreams and fears. Some say it would only harm bad people and wouldn't harm good people. So... 
super complex, not clear why he's there. Uh, in the game, he is a goat with whose heart, like you can like kind of move his uh, cloak to see his heart. And like by touching his heart, that's kind of how you end up looking into the future. Those are the five sort of supernatural beings that you meet during your vision quest. And they are rad. There's so much here to love. I am picturing um, Dr. Whatever from Wicked, the the like professor that turns into a goat. Oh God, because, now I can't like, remember his character Because like name. death is creeping toward us and, and uh. bad magics. Dr. Tum? Not Dr. No, it's not, not no, Dr. Tum. Oh, okay, I, I saved myself halfway through that. <laughs> I had to call you out on that a little bit. Dr. Dillamond. Yes, that is Woo. it. Anyway, like like a goat wearing half moon spectacles and a cloak. And now I'm picturing that goat as Aaron Burr uh, jumping up <laughs> on the table and doing that. And then the his heart comes out. Yeah. Oh. Oh. I wasn't going quite oh. that far. Uh, but uh, so interesting. And like the fact that there are so many different interpretations and versions of that yeah. grim myth makes me think like, oh, this must have been a thing. Like, you know, there yeah. there is so many whatever examples, like family legends, like personal interpretations, like that to me is just, even though it's more ambiguous in a way, like that to me is just evidence that it, it must have actually been, been a thing. Yeah, and I can tell from just the mythology and the way that it's formatted that it was definitely something that started earlier as one thing and kind of had to evolve over time into Mm -hmm. something else as different culture and different religion and stuff comes in and influences it, which I love that kind of story. I love kind of parsing through like, well, that might be, you know, more pagan while this is more Christian and, you know. Exactly. Like the, the kind of, uh, the first one we, we covered the mother goddess when it's something as like primal as, oh, she's about, you know, love or death or birth or, you know, something like that, you know that the roots are definitely Mm pre-Christian. There should definitely be a term for the sort of syncretism where it's like, lol, it's not pagan, it's fine, (laughs) you know, and trying to like shove it into (laughs) the There probably is a term. I'll try and figure out what that is at some point. Okay, if not, I would love to to offer up to the academic universe, hashtag lol, it's not pagan, it's fine. (laughs) (laughs) I I do like that as a scientific term. (laughs) Yeah, it's... Uh, at some point in the game, you find a journal of somebody who's basically like losing their mind a little bit as they're trying to understand how a year walk works. Um, and they start calling the different creatures that you meet along the way as watchers. And I thought that was a really interesting the way it's like they're just they're participants of the year walk and they're watching over you. But is that all that they do? Um, and also like who watches the watchers. Who watches the watchmen? And watches the watch yeah. goats. The watch yeah. goats. The watch goats. <laughs> Who does? And at the end, after making your way past through these five challenges, uh, do you just kind of like see what, what your heart is searching? Like, is there a way to, to specify the quest? How does that work? So the way that I understand it is that part of the ritual is sort of meditating on what you want to know. Um, and... So in the game, without giving too much away, the year walk that you're on isn't actually like your year walk because you're going through the person's journal who's going through this year walk. Mm-hmm. And um, essentially the way that they've been meditating on a different case, he ends up getting into somebody else's year walk. Gotcha. Ooh. I love that. And the original reason that this person whose year walk you're going into is going through it is because they're actually doing it for love. You first meet like the love of your life and she's saying that she is getting married to someone else. And um, 
the idea is that like, okay, I'm going to go on a year walk. I'm going to find out what happens because I want to be with her. It's this idea that like you are actually actively while you're in solitary confinement, while you're in the dark, while you're not eating or drinking, you are thinking of the question you're thinking of the answer you want to receive. Okay. And that's how your year walk manifests. I'm interested in that. I that's really it. cool. It's like a much more intense version of, you know, trying to lucid dream by like thinking about dreaming <laughs> that as you're falling right. asleep. <laughs> Cool. Right, it's like this weird sort of like sensory deprivation that ends up like, um, kind of like how you mentioned earlier of like cleansing the soul, and then as you walk out, all of these creatures have now sort of been summoned in because the gates are open. Yeah, and your and your mind is more receptive to, you know, visions or influence or you know signs yeah. from the outside because you're sort of primed to do that. Um, one of my early childhood memories is losing something, a necklace or, or, you know, something of value to me. And my dad being like, pray to St. Anthony, Amanda, like, look all you can. Mm-hmm. And, you know, my very Irish Catholic upbringing uh, is like, you know, look as, as hard as you must. And then if you really need it, like if you if you really seriously think that you have searched all you can possibly search and you've tried your best, blah, 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 you know, pray to St. Anthony. And if, if you know, mm-hmm. that doesn't work, like this necklace ain't coming back. And so I remember, you know, I did it a couple of times and a couple of times it worked, a couple of times it didn't. Um, but then eventually I sort of put it together where I was like the, the process of like collecting yourself and really saying to myself, did I exhaust all the possible options? Okay. Yes, I think I did like stopping, you know, calming, like sitting there praying, you know, like concentrating on something, if nothing else, like collected your mind enough to sort yeah. of take a break from it. And then hopefully, you know, you realize like, oh, well, I didn't check my purse from, from f- two weeks ago, just the one from last, and, you know, and mm-hmm. then, and then you find it. Um, so that was when my very early on, I was kind of like, what is the utility? Like, what is helping me here? Um, I don't know. I just, I, I remember very distinctly that, that thought occurring to me. You were very precocious seven-year-old or however old you were in this situation yeah. you know i wasn't watching fucking fraser and cheers so i had to be doing something whatever <laughs> call out <laughs> yeah um if you're interested in the game but you don't want to play it because spookies sort of get to you there's a great like one hour no commentary walkthrough on mm-hmm. youtube and it's just like the art is amazing the soundtrack is so so good so I highly recommend checking it out. It's not a long game at all. Like, I think the walkthrough without, like, any sort of time to figure out the puzzles because they'd already done it was, like, less than an hour. Wow. But if you're playing it on your own, it could probably take a couple of hours because some of the... It's... What I really like about it, it's one of those games that, like, you really have to have a notepad with you or you have to be taking notes as you're yeah, playing man. the game. I love games for nerds. <laughs> yeah, it's so exciting. Like, so many games don't do that now, and now it's, like... I don't know. It's cool when, when they channel that old school sort of adventure game ephemera, I guess. Yeah, I love that. Really. I love that. And and as someone who loves video games, but just my brain just isn't wired to play them and it wasn't a big part of my upbringing and stuff. I love the like walkthrough and the mm-hmm. let's plays and speed runs and, and like ways that allow me to enjoy the art and, and narrative and construction of video games um, without yeah. having to force myself to like learn the mechanics of controllers yeah we'll uh we'll link it in the show notes we will sweet okay uh so any final observations uh i don't know shout outs ideas if anyone wants to develop more mythology games we are so here for you we will review them we will review them we will give you feedback we will lend ourselves up to be (laughs) avatars really anything you want i yeah i want more games to play around with mythos whether real or whether in game um so a some friends of mine actually just released a game this month, 
what month? It's March. Last month. Sure. <laughs> like, what day is it? I don't even know uh, time anymore. Is, time is a flat circle. Time's a construction. Time, you know, I'm on my own year walk right now. Am I even really here? <laughs> uh, so uh, it's called Night in the Woods, and um, it's a really beautiful adventure game. Um, and there isn't, it's not based on like real mythos, but there's an element of it where uh, you can look at constellations and the person who's guiding you through the constellations is telling you stories about those sort of legends. And it's really cool. That sounds um, amazing. Love that. I actually think I read uh, Polygon's review of it. So I'm stoked to try and check that out too. Nice. Yeah. If listeners have any suggestions, recommendations, games that you love that have to do with mythology or have in-game mythology that you really value, um, totally let us know. Do you have anything you want to plug, Soha? So you can find me on Twitter at S-O-K-A-R-E-E-M-I-E. And that's usually where I'm talking about video games or sharing memes of some sorts or posting photos of my cat. We do love the photos of the cat. All of which we love uh, (laughs) way more than the times that you say nice things about us, which we also super love. Warms warms my heart. It's like the opposite of the the, uh, horse dragging us all to hell. (laughs) Beautiful. The horse drags you to heaven. Yay. If you're an unborn baby, sorry. Bye. (laughs) No. No. Well, thank you again for getting up early and talking about this creepy, creepy cool stuff with us. Yeah, thank you. All right, listeners, and in the meantime, stay creepy, stay cool. Spirits was created by Julia Shafini and me, Amanda McLaughlin. It's edited by Eric Schneider with music by Kevin McLeod and visual design by Allison Wakeman. Subscribe to Spirits on your preferred podcast app to make sure you never miss an episode. You can find us on Twitter, Facebook, and Tumblr at Spirits Podcast. On our Patreon page, patreon.com slash spiritspodcast, you can sign up for exclusive content like behind-the-scenes photos, audio extras, director's commentary, blooper reels, and beautiful recipe cards with custom drink and snack pairings. If you like the show, please share with your friends and leave us a review on iTunes. It really does help. Thank you so much for listening. Till next time.